Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and today I'm joined here by Colin Hansel and Ben Schmidt. We hope everyone had a great Christmas and spent good time with family. Um, we hope everyone's being safe this holidays. Um, we had a, uh, I had a little Christmas present myself with, uh, with our fantasy league. We finished, us three finished first, second, and third, uh, me, Ben, and Donovan respectively. Um, I got a little help from Camara's six touchdowns, but yeah, we had a nice, we had a nice little holidays. Um, and we hope you all did too. All right. First, we're going to discuss a little what's happened so far in the MLB, uh, off season. Let's first talk about the, probably the first big trade we saw Blake Snell from going from the Rays over to Slam Diego. What do we think about that trade? I think I think this is something at least I and I feel like a lot of baseball fans saw coming. Um, this wasn't really a case of Blake Snell not being happy in Sandy or uh, in uh, Tampa. I mean, I don't think he loved being pulled so early every game, but it's not like he wanted out of Tampa Bay. This was a case of Tampa Bay just doesn't have the cap space. They're a small market team. They don't pay their stars. They kind of just they get as much out of them as they can and then move on before you have to give them a big contract so that's kind of what this whole thing was um so I think that's why a lot of people saw a Blake Snell trade coming so this didn't really surprise me and honestly him going to San Diego didn't surprise me at all either they've been in the market for starting pitchers they realize that they have a window to compete with the Dodgers now and on top of that they now realize that they're not gonna have Mike Clevenger for this upcoming season because of Tommy John surgery and I know they have some young back of the rotation guys, but if they really want to go for it now, they need someone like Blaine's Blake Snell to be the ace top of the rotation guy. Cause this is before they got Darvish. So they didn't even know that they were going to get him as well. So they went for their ace of the future. Um, I don't know, but I don't know Blake Snell's contract specifically. I know they're going to be some for the next couple of years, but I um, think it's like two years left. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll check that real quick. At least from the Padres side, like, not having to give up really a, a top prospect. I know people say never trade with the Rays because they know what they're doing. They always find the best guys in these trades where you think that they've easily lost. Um, He's got three years on his deal. Three years, okay. So, yeah, on the surface, it looks like a great trade for the Padres. We'll see what it ends up being. I mean, I don't think anyone – example, what I was talking about, never trade with the Rays, the Randy Arena trade. No one really – thought that they were going to get anything out of that ended up him being one of their stars in that trade what they made with the Cardinals last year so we'll see this could end up being down the line where those prospects that the Rays got in return kind of being studs just because they have an unbelievable scouting department but we'll see on the surface um great trade for the Padres really love this one yeah it's this is really exciting for a lot of baseball fans because I think a lot of people are loving the Padres right now Blake Snell um had a great postseason he just adds to their loaded rotation right now and the Padres are ready to compete they're ready to win a world series they're ready to uh compete with the LA Dodgers and the other Atlanta Braves um they're gonna be maybe not title favorites they might be title favorites that'll be interesting to see they'll definitely be up there there'll be a lot of people they'll be a, definitely a favorite pick among the media and as to the Rays side of it I mean, they just made the World Series. They took the Dodgers to six games. Blake Snell was awesome. They still have a very nice roster. Um, they're still going to be one of the favorites in the AL. And I think it's interesting how 
I know, like you guys were saying, they can't really a small market team. It's hard for them to pay these guys, these big stars and uh, retain them, you know, keep them in the organization. But it's interesting that a team with this much talent, um, as good as they're playing, just made the World Series. They're continuing to load up on talent for the future. So I really like what they're doing down in Tampa. They're going to be good for a long time now. Um, and it'll be fun to see how they continue to develop as these years go on. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure who all went back to Tampa, but I do know the one key guy that Tampa got, and I, and I knew this would be a guy Tampa wanted, was Luis Patino. He is their number two. He was the Padres' number two pitching prospect. He's a hard thrower, um, and he's he looks really solid, like what he did in the minors. He'd be, I think, for most other teams, he'd probably be other teams' number one pitching project, prospect. Excuse me. It's just that Mackenzie Gore, uh, the Padres' number one guy, is absolutely insane. A very tall, very lengthy lefty, throws hard, good off speed. And he gave up like like very minimum hits and like I think it was double A. I'm not 100 percent sure, but if you look up his stats from last year, they are insane. Um, but let's go to the next deal. Darvish from the Cubs to the Padres. This one hurt a little bit. Um, I'll, I mean, what do you guys think? If Darvish can have anywhere near the year that he had last year in the shortened season that rotation will just become even better. I just hope that this isn't the classic, the off-season winner just does nothing in the regular season. I don't think so because I think this team is way too talented. Like, I think this team is different than, let's say, um, I mean, some people had the Reds as their off-season winner last year and they didn't even win their division. This team is far more talented than a team like that. Um, so I just, I don't think that they'll fall into that category, but I just, I hope that, I, I really want to see them challenge the Dodgers for that title. But you, Darvish, we saw him when he first signed that contract in Chicago. It was not a smooth transition at all, but he steadily improved. His walks went down. And if he can stay there and keep control of his pitches, that'll be huge for San Diego because, like I said, they don't have Clevenger for all of this all of this year. They do have some nice middle rotation pieces, but if um, – Darvish can step up along with Snell at the top of that rotation. That gives them a real shot to compete with the Dodgers, who, by the way, the Dodgers are getting uh, David Price back this year, who opted out last year. So that helps the Dodgers even more. Yeah. Yeah. You Darvish with the career year last year. Um, I didn't know what direction the Cubs are going to go this offseason. I kind of felt that they were going to go more. I thought they were going to sell. Um, we saw they're not keeping Schwarber around. They dealt Darvish. They might be dealing uh, Contreras. Um, so that's an interesting development. Uh, again, San Diego's rotation is absolutely loaded now. If Darvish is anywhere what he was last year, this is the best rotation in baseball. Um, and, yeah, it's an, it's an awesome pickup for them. He is a little bit older, but, I mean, he's coming off a career year, at least in the COVID year, still a career year. And the fact that they were able to, with both of these trades, retain a lot of their top prospects, including Mackenzie Gore, is uh, very impressive. And you you got to be very excited as a Padres fan to make trades like that and still keep your best talents in the farm system around. Yeah. Um, speaking as a Cub fan, I just want to – when I first heard the trade break, I was I was upset. 
I felt like it was another classic Cubs trade where we were going to get fleeced, where, where, you know, it, it just doesn't look good. But after looking into it, I don't hate it as much as I initially did. I do. I did love Darvish. I did love Carantini. Carantini, I still think, is probably the best backup catcher all of baseball. Um, but we got, I think the Padres, like, 10th, 13th, 15th, and 17th, like, prospects in their top 30. For the Cubs, though, I think I saw it was ended up being, like, their 4th, their 7th, their 10th, and, like, their 15th or some shit. So, um, yeah. I feel like they'll be good in a couple years, but I think you're right. It's just one of those situations where I think the Cubs need to decide if they're going to be, you know, contenders or pretenders. Yeah, go ahead, Colin. Well, yeah, when you're when you're in a position that the Cubs are in and you're kind of – I don't want to say mediocre, but you're kind of mediocre to the point where you can make the playoffs, but you're not really contending for a World Series. So you have a guy like Darvish who's probably like – 34, 35, the stud pitcher coming off one of his best seasons. And it's like, do you gain that much from keeping him around? Do you think that if you don't think that you're going to contend for a World Series, I don't see any point in keeping him around, you know? Um, This is the highest – I mean, you're going to get more value from him now than you ever will. So I I don't hate it from that side of it. And he is an older guy. We don't know – if he's going to be able to keep this up. Um, and you're right, they did get some good talent from it. Regard, Even though they're not, you know, Padres' top five prospects, they're still very talented young guys in a very deep farm system. So the fact that, you know, they're 11, 15, whatever, they're still very talented guys that are going to help the Cubs in the future. So I, I, I don't hate the trade for the Cubs. From the Cubs side, I just hope that they pick a direction to go in because I could totally see them end up um, eventually trading away Contreras, who they've been shopping, and then maybe even trading Chris Bryant as well because he, I don't think, has turned into the star that everyone had hoped. He hasn't been bad. He just hasn't turned into that star. So I could see them trading away those two guys, but then extending Rizzo and Baez. So I just kind of like – I feel like they should pick a direction and either go full on rebuild and restock the farm system or keep the rest of their guys and kind of just try and retool and go to for another playoff run in a year or two. So I just think like, I, I, I don't want them to like trade only a few guys and then keep the rest. Like, I think you should just pick a direction because otherwise you're just going to be stuck in that mediocrity phase that Colin was talking about that. No, no team wants to be in. It's not fun at all. Yeah, no, I, I I get that. And I think, well, I heard the reports that uh, Contreras being traded were actually false. I think Jed Hoyer actually came out yesterday and said that those, those reports were false. So I don't think they're trading Contreras. I think, I think Colin was right. I think this was a case where they don't see themselves contending for a world series right now. And, you know, if you're going to trade Darvish at any point, it's now after a career year, after he finished runner up in the Cy Young, it's now. So I don't hate it. I just think you could have possibly gotten a little more. I don't know if it like, no, no disrespect to Zach Davies, who we also got in that trade. Zach Davies has been really good the last couple of years. It's just now we're going to have a starting rotation with Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, 
if we sign back Lester, those four guys finished in the top 10 in lowest average fastball velocity. For the so, Cubs, like, I know trading you Darvish, it's the best time because you can get the best value off career year. But it, it's also, like, kind of on the other side, it's also the worst time because we're in a – where owners just lost tons of money over revenue. So no one wants to shell out these big contracts. So, I mean, you Darvish makes a pretty good amount of money. So that kind of makes me realize why, like, the Cubs didn't get a ton of salary relief because no one wants to take on the contract. So like, I hope you get what I'm saying where it was the best yeah. time, but also the worst time because if COVID doesn't hit, they get much more in return for you, Darvish. I don't think that's an unfair statement. No, that's fair. But you know, that's what's uncontrollable as we know. Do All you right. think, real quick. Do you think the Cubs will trade away anyone else? Do you, do you see Chris Bryant as a piece that's on the move? Um, I mean, his name has been thrown around on the trade block for the last two years, something like that. So if if we see reports about it, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's one of those things where, you know, you're going to have to get a haul for him. And I think the only possible team that makes sense right now for if we were to trade Chris Bryant would be the Braves because they have some young talent. We'd probably ask for Pache. We'd probably ask for maybe, you know, like Kyle Wright, one of the pitching prospects. Um, maybe Swanson. I'm not sure. But, you know, I mean, he's a former MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series champ. Um, you're going to have to give up a lot. And he's – I still think he's the face of the franchise along just, that with Rizzo. So. I just think he has to play better than he did in the short season because he was he was really, really underperformed. That that could be like a lot of guys, though. A lot of guys were impacted by the no fans and that type of stuff. So maybe in a normal full season with at least some fans in the stands, maybe he returns to form. Because I know it sounds weird, but I, I can assure you there's some MLB players who live off the, like, the crowd behind them and stuff like that. So that could be the case because he was just flat out bad last year. So we'll see because, like, it happened to other guys too, like Christian Yelich, stuff like that. So, But Chris Bryant has definitely got to return to form. Yeah, no, it's – he struggled. But, I mean, we could go all day. The Cubs notoriously cannot hit in the month of December – or September, excuse me, after they won the uh, World Series. So I think it's a case where, you know, if if we keep the core we have – and we can kind of start to figure out why we struggle so bad at the end of the season. I still think we have a shot at a playoff spot. And, you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. All right. Let's move on to the NFL. Um, I want to hear – maybe we don't go through every game. But I want to hear what you guys think the playoff alignment is going to look like. Okay. okay. Oh, you, you can go. You can go. Okay, so now I was going to go over some quick uh, scenarios. So in the AFC, the we know that the Buffalo Bills clinched their division, the Chiefs clinched theirs, and the Steelers clinched last week. So we have three division winners, and we're down to Titans and Colts for that last division uh, winner. Um, we also have the three wild cards, which as of now are Baltimore – Miami and Cleveland, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Baltimore, Miami and Cleveland. Um, and then you have Indiana, Indianapolis on the outside looking in. Those are all the t- teams competing for AFC playoff spots. 
Um, so Baltimore clinches a playoff berth with a win. Uh, Cleveland also clinches with a win. And we'll get into these matchups in a minute. Indianapolis clinches. They're going to need some help. They need a win and a Baltimore loss or a Cleveland loss or a Miami loss. And Miami also gets in with just a win. So let's, let's just start with the AFC just to make it easier. Um, some key matchups we have. The big one is uh, Browns-Steelers because the Steelers are resting Big Ben, I think Pouncey, TJ Watt, and one more. And Cleveland is dealing with some COVID issues right now. came out this morning. They uh, closed their practice facility, and they're just trying to figure out – they're trying to get contact tracing. Uh, and I think they said Hunter Bryant has COVID. So they're figuring out that situation. Cleveland is a nine-point favorite. Um, the Browns are going to win this one, right? I would assume so. I think um... – especially with Mason Rudolph starting for the Steelers and how limited that offense is. Even with Big Ben, it's, it's limited. And then you, you transfer to Mason Rudolph. I think Kevin Stefanski has to call a better game than he did last week. I thought last week was one of Kevin Stefanski's like first, like, what is he doing as a head coach? Because I think he's been great. But last week, um, when you have no receivers, they, they didn't run the ball. I know they weren't averaging a lot per carry, but I still think it was Nick Chubb's second lowest rushing attempts of the season, not including the game he got hurt. So out of the, all the other games, it was a second fewest rushing attempts. And that just doesn't make sense to me because if you have no receivers, you got to establish the run. So I think if Stefanski gets back to the run and then compounded with the fact that it's Mason Rudolph for the Steelers, um, the Browns win and get in on Sunday. Now you, you bring up like last week, Stefanski's but the Browns played the Jets they lost to the Jets which is never a good thing especially in this year um Nick Chubb you're right only had 11 carries and that's because they were down the whole game they got down quickly actually and their top two uh targets were Austin Hooper and Jamarcus Bradley who has not played or who has not had a target before last week he had 11 targets so we know that the Browns had literally no receivers healthy. Um, they were all out with COVID, COVID protocols. Um, but this week, they have their guys back. They're playing Mason Rudolph, who I assure you is not going to make it easy for them. The Steelers, anyone that's playing for the Steelers this week, um, does not want Cleveland to win that game. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, DP, big one, Dolphins builds. 12 o'clock Sunday, um, Bills have a chance at the two seed, which is big, very important, and the Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot. How do you see this game going? I think it's going to be very interesting because I think the Bills do want to still do want to win this game. Um, if they win, they clinch the two seed. Um, it's either a win or a Steelers loss. They get it. Um, so I still think they do want to win the game. But they haven't announced yet uh, anyone, you know, sitting or not playing. I think it's a case where they play the starters for maybe the first half, try and get out to a big lead because they just announced Fitzpatrick uh, has COVID and he won't yeah. be able to play. So two is the guy. And uh, I mean, we've seen what two's offense look like. It's it's not great, um, but 
if we can get out to a big lead, hopefully you can rest the starters, hold on to the lead, get the two seed. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think the Bills should still win this game. Um, but you know, it's tough. Dolphins, Dolphins are hot. Although that is with Fitzpatrick, Dolphins are just so tough to, so tough to, you know, kind of just predict or decide on because they have two quarterbacks that seem like they play a lot of the time. So yeah, it's well, you, tough for me to say. You got to imagine that they're also going to be keeping an eye on that Steelers-Browns game because if the Steelers are down three touchdowns, you know, when you talk about Bills resting the starters, uh, if someone yeah. – if they notice that, you know, Cleveland's up huge, I, I can imagine that they would uh, rest their starters – that would make sense, but you know it's it's a divisional game. They obviously don't want to just let their um, rival into the playoffs. You know, no team wants to do that. So yeah. Um, speaking on uh, you know rivals playing this weekend, we got Packers Bears. Um, this one's in Chicago at three twenty five on Sunday. The Bears are, believe it or not, in a playoff spot right now. Um, they are in with a win, but they're going to have to go through Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It's crazy that there's a strong possibility that an 11 and five AFC team doesn't get in, but an eight and eight bears team with some help could. Um, I don't think anyone saw this coming after that Detroit game, the bears had where they blew it a couple weeks ago and lost what I think it was their sixth straight at the time. So good on Mitch Trubisky for kind of, back in the starters role playing well i think they've done some really good things with david montgomery and then the play action game off of that so i still don't believe that Nat, matt Nagy's the answer at coach but he seemed to at least figure out a little bit that being said i still think they lose probably maybe 10 points i don't think it's a blowout just because i think they're hot but green bay is also extremely hot as well and they're playing for a one seed they don't want to have to play um in the first round at all so i think they're going to come in ready to go I believe Chicago in their last bunch of games against uh, Green Bay is like one and six, one and five, something like that. So they don't play Green Bay well at all. So that's why I just think is, is this game will probably be closer than it was when they faced off a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I think Green Bay comes in and takes this game by by one or two scores. I think the I think the road ends here for Chicago just because I think Arizona will win and I think Chicago will lose and end up being on the outside. Do we know if Kyler's playing? He said he's yet. ready to go yesterday. He, but yeah. He's still listed as questionable, but yeah, I mean, I'm I would expect Kyler to mm-hmm. play. I mean, he's not a guy that's gonna want to sit out regardless of if he can yeah, play, I mean, he's gonna play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think with this Bears Packers team, it's gonna be tough. Um, I think the main thing that's really helped the Bears so far is that they're actually starting to run the ball and they're being very successful with it. And the Packers, I mean, it's just, it's just the randomness of football. And we see this all the time where the Packers are notoriously bad against the run. Then they play the Titans who are notoriously a heavy run team with probably the best running back in football and they shut them down. So, I mean, We'll see how it works. I expect a big game from David Montgomery um, and in the play-action game for Mitch. But I think this game is all on Chicago's defense. 
We yep. saw Chicago's defense get torched uh, last time these two teams played. Um, if they can, if they can look well, if Khalil Mack can get to the quarterback, same with Hakeem Hicks, Roquan, if he can still be the anchor, I think he's been their best defender this year. Um, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, they can have big games on defense. Then I think the Bears can win this game. I'm gonna bet the Bears to cover. I don't know about winning, um, but I do think this is one of those. Chicago just randomly shows up kind of games. What was it? I think I thought I saw it was five and a half. I'm going to check. Yeah, five and a half. It's doable. We're going to need a 2018 Bears defense performance, I think, to win this game. Uh, That being said, I still will probably root for the Bears to get in just because as a Vikings fan, I want to see them worse in their draft position. But – I think we're going to need a huge defensive performance. Like Donovan said, David Montgomery is going to need to have a big game. And uh, Matt Nagy, just don't try and be too cute. We'll see him. Be I you, Matt. Be play you. Last week at the one-yard line, and they try to, like, a wide receiver reverse. Like, just run the ball with David Montgomery. He's going to get <laughs> in. So, uh, just Matt Nagy, just just stop trying to be cute. Be you, like Donovan said. Um, but this is – I know he played in the playoff game, but this potentially could be the biggest game for Mitch Trubisky's career. Because if he goes out and, and shows out in this game, it could potentially earn him a new contract back in Chicago. So we'll see. We'll see how he performs. Yeah, and it's like I've noticed with the Bears, when they can get that run game going, which they have for the past how many weeks that they've scored 30 in a row or 30, 30 points this many weeks in a row, when they get that run game going, it opens up the pass game so much because – I think that's where they really struggled earlier in the years. They just could not get that run game going. They were mixing it up with uh, Montgomery and Patterson and nothing was working. And now that they're really starting to get it going, Montgomery is rolling. The run game is rolling. Um, it's really opening up that pass game for Mitch. And I don't want to say the offense has been explosive, but it's, it's none of us saw this turnaround. The bootlegs with Mitch have been huge because we know how athletic he is and getting him outside of the pocket where he can either throw on the run or run with the football off the bootleg, that's been huge. That's something we see for a lot of run-first teams, how play action off of that is often really successful, and that's kind of what the Bears have turned to these last couple weeks where if David Montgomery is rolling, they stack the box, Mitch pulls a play action, and you got Allen Robinson wide open 15 yards down the field. So – they need to do that again for the fifth, I believe, fifth game in a row because they've the offense have been working for the last four. Yeah, and they've really gotten Allen Robinson involved, and I think that's huge considering he's a upcoming free agent, I believe. Um, that's huge in terms of him resigning with the Bears is how well their offense has been playing, and with him still being a focal point of that offense, they're really feeding him the ball. He's playing outstanding, and the Bears are scoring points. Who would have thought? So, um, heading back to the AFC real quick, the ones we didn't talk about, we have the Ravens playing at Cincinnati. Um, all they need is a win to get in. This is Cincy starting – what's his name? Ryan Finley? I think, Ryan Finley? I think they switched back to Brandon Allen. Is it Brandon Allen? I think so. I, Brandon Allen actually played pretty well against Houston. Oh, um, you're right. Yeah. It, it won't. This game won't be close, though. Brandon Allen did – uh, their offense was played really well against Houston, which doesn't say a whole lot, but 
Brandon Allen, I think he threw for almost like 400 yards. That was awesome. A point um, I do want to bring up is that the last time the Ravens and Bengals played on week 17, we had the classic Andy Dalton, Tyler Boyd touchdown with 14 seconds left on like fourth and 13, some something like that to send Buffalo into the playoffs. I was I, gonna, would, I was just going to bring that up. I would give Cincy a chance to repeat that if it wasn't Brandon Allen starting for Cincy and Lamar starting for Baltimore because um, Lamar right now is playing better than Flacco was at that time, and Brandon Allen is far worse than Andy Dalton. I don't think that's a stretch. So, sadly, I don't know if we're going to get another miracle like that, although it would be cool. I think it would be funny just to cause more chaos in the playoff picture. Oh, yeah. We yeah this Ravens offense has been – outstanding the past few weeks probably the best in the league and I, I fully expect them to win that game winning they're in um no one's going to want to see Baltimore in the playoffs um and then the last couple AFC teams we have the Colts and the Titans they're both playing to win their division the division loser can still make it in they're just going to need a loss from either Miami Cleveland or Baltimore um, the Titans win the division with a win at Houston. Houston has not been playing very well, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Deshaun Watson has been playing well. Um, so that makes me think that they will be able to stick in this game with Tennessee. But I think Tennessee's going to run all over them. They can pretty much do whatever they want with that Texans defense, and a win gets them in. I think I think that game will be close. I believe when they played earlier, I think this game went into overtime, and I and didn't Derrick Henry get like a game-winning touchdown or something like that? Or, I thought that was the Ravens. I thought that game. I thought I know he got a game winner against the Ravens, but I he, thought he did against were, both. Yeah, he did. Okay. okay. So I think this game will be close, just just because Deshaun Watson is a really talented quarterback. Um, that being said, I want Tennessee to win just because I would much rather watch Tennessee. Um, host a playoff game over Indy just because Indy and noodle arm Phillip Rivers is, is not the most interesting for me to watch. So I think, I think Tennessee wins this game in a close one. I think maybe something like 34-28 or 31-28, something like that. I think it's close and high scoring. So, um, but yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick or – Ryan Tannehill, pardon me. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not on Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill is. I think Ryan Tannehill has a really good game for uh, for Tennessee. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, another thing, though, Deshaun Watson has thrown one interception in his last ten games. He's been awesome despite losing Will Fuller to uh, his suspension. Brandon Cooks has been really good for him. So I expect them to score points and stay in that game, um, considering Tennessee's defense isn't the greatest. And the other game we got to look at is there's not a whole lot to look at here, but it's Jaguars Colts. I expect the Colts to win this game. Um, they're playing at home. They're 14 point favorites and they're playing a Jacksonville team who just locked up the number one pick. Yeah. Do we even uh, know who's go ahead. I'm just going to say I, this Indy's going to run the ball. They're going to get out to a lead and this game will be over pretty quickly. Um, I know we saw Jacksonville hang in um, some games, but this indie defense will just shut down Jacksonville. I don't think James Robinson is playing. That's Jacksonville's best offensive player. And like Donovan said, I don't know even know who's starting at QB, whether it's Glennon or Minshew. But Glennon was horrible last week against Chicago. So I think it's an indie win either way. Well, the point I want to bring up is that 
Um, since the Jaguars locked it up, why not start Minshew? Because he's obviously the better quarterback than Glennon. Um, and if Minshew can play well, which we've seen him play well throughout the season, Jacksonville would not only be doing him a good favor, you know, showcasing him to maybe, you know, trade him, maybe get something in return for Gardner Minshew. But remember, Jaguars beat the Colts in week one with Gardner Minshew, with James Robinson. I'm not going to put the upset, but I do think this game's going to be a hell of a lot closer than people think. And I'm probably going to be the crazy one who bets Jacksonville covered. Well, if okay, if Minshew's healthy, they have no reason to not play Minshew, right? I mean, yeah. he's he's much better than Mike Glennon, and they have no reason to lose this game. They've all season they've had reasons to lose games. They have the number one pick locked up. They have Trevor Lawrence locked up. They have no reason to lose this game. So I think they're gonna, you know, I don't see any reason to not start Minshew if he's healthy. And you're right, they beat them week one. Although that was a long time ago, these teams are much different. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville covers, but with the Colts playing for a playoff spot, I, I don't see any way they lose this game. So that's the AFC. Um, there's not a whole lot of different scenarios in the AFC. I mean, you have four, you have five teams fighting for four playoff spots. One team's going to be left out. I have a feeling it's going to be Miami since they have to go play in Buffalo. Um, but let's switch our focus to the NFC. Lots of craziness in the NFC West right now. You have the Cardinals and Rams both fighting for a playoff spot. Cardinals eight and seven, Rams nine and six. The Rams are in right now, but there's a very good chance or a decent chance that they might not be in uh, after next week. They now have placed Michael Brockers on the COVID-19 list. Um, they just lost to the winless Jets. They lost to the Seahawks last week. Jared Goff now hurt his thumb, I believe. Was his thumb? Yep, yeah. Um, it was a – you could tell right away because he – it's one of those classes where a quarterback follow through and then just hits his hand on a lineman's helmet. Like, you can tell right away. It was like, yeah, that, that one hurt. So, not surprising there. So, yeah, Goff. Goff is out. Uh, he's having surgery on his thumb. Daryl Henderson's on the IR. Cam Akers, we don't know if he's going to play. Cooper Cup and Brockers got COVID. So it's like, this is kind of a depleted roster now. We don't know. I, I can't even remember the guy who's going to start at quarterback. It's some AAF guy. Not Wolford. Play for the hot shots. Wolford. Yep. Play for the hot shots. Um, the, the Rams are a total mess right now. I think – you know, they're playing an Arizona team. We think Kyler's going to play. We don't know for sure, though. So this could be very entertaining if we have two backup quarterbacks playing for a playoff spot. We talk That's what I'm hoping. That's we I'm talk hoping. about how good of a coach Sean McVay is. If he game plans his way to a Rams win, this would be up there as one of his best performances as a coach because it's going to take – if there's, if there's a couple of coaches where I think could put John Wolford in a position to be successful, I think McVay with play action or something like that could be one of them. Um, just because I know how good of a play caller McVay is. That being said, they're missing so many pieces. It's going to be really hard for them to overcome, um, overcome this Arizona team. That being said, I didn't think that San Francisco really had a shot with CJ Beathard last week. So we'll see if, if um, the Rams can establish the run, especially if Cam Akers play, 
But if the Rams can establish the run like San Fran did last week, they they have a shot. I'm not going to completely put them out of it. But in terms of my predictions for the playoff scenarios, I have the Cardinals winning, but a Bears loss gets the Rams in as well. So, Yeah, three-way tie between the Cardinals, Rams, and Bears would uh, kick the Rams out of the playoffs. But right, you're right. It would take a Bears win against Green Bay, which will not be easy considering Green Bay's playing for something and they hate the Chicago Bears. So uh, you're right. Though I was going to bring up that point as well that last week the Cardinals lost to a depleted roster um, with CJ Beathard starting at quarterback and I think Jeff Wilson starting at running back. Um, they couldn't get the job done there. So definitely a big one to keep an eye on. We have the Seahawks playing the Niners as well. Um, the Seahawks are, they already won the division, obviously. They are playing for seeding right now. You got the Packers, uh, if a win against Chicago, get them that first round by. You also have New Orleans and Seattle right there. So they're also fighting for seeding. And the fourth seed is going to be an NFC East team. Um, it can still be three of the four NFC East teams. The Eagles are eliminated. We got Washington. We got Dallas. We got New York. Who do you get? Who's going to, who's going to win it? Real quick before we, before, um, I believe you were talking about Seattle. Seattle can jump all the way up to the one seed, can't they? That's, they can. Yeah. Yeah. I believe they can. Yeah. With the That's, Packers it's, loss. It, it takes loss. a lot yeah. of chaos. But because yeah. I know there's a lot of tiebreakers, like, like strength of schedule, stuff like that, that comes into play with seeding. But just imagine Seattle with the way their defense has kind of picked it up, them being the one seed over Green Bay or something like that. So that's that's another thing to look forward to. It's just a crazy weekend because I believe it's only like four games that have no playoff implications out of the uh, 16 total. So that's just – it's just wild how good of a Sunday we're going to have. But uh, back to the NFC East, um, it's tough. Cowboys. Cowboys play the Giants at noon, and then you have Washington, Philly on Sunday night football. Not not my favorite game for Sunday night football. I completely understand why they did it, because it's the only game that doesn't give a team a competitive advantage. Um, that being said, I think it's tough. Alex Smith is, is a huge factor in that, because they are so much better um, of an offense when Alex Smith is on the field. I know Taylor Heineke wasn't horrible at the end of the game last week, but it was also at the end of the game, kind of garbage time-ish. So I think in the first game, I think Dallas wins. Dallas has been playing really well. New York has not been playing well. New York can't score points. So I have Dallas winning that one. And the night game is tough. I've gone back and forth. I think if, if Philly plays turnover-free football, I think Philly wins that game. Because I think the way, I think the way Washington would win – is if the score is like 10 to seven or like seven to three where Chase Young and that defense just goes off. So it's tough. Yeah. I obviously was the one who predicted Washington um, to win the division early on. So I'd like to pat myself on the back for that take. Um, But I am a little scared because I do think the Cowboys are going to beat the Giants. And this all, this all depends on if Alex Smith is going to start. Do we know if he's starting? He took first team reps, I believe, yesterday. I think so. He's yeah. Not, okay. If not, it'll be Taylor Heineke because we all know that Dwayne Haskins is gone. Yeah. So it's just one of those classic games where 
I think Philly's going to win it. I honestly do. Um, so I'm going to say the Cowboys win the NFC East, which pains me to say that I will see it all over Twitter. Um, and from our Cowboys friends, shout out Boo, shout out Grayson. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I hope Washington makes it because I think Washington would be more fun than Andy Dalton and a bad defense rather than a one-legged Alex Smith and Chase Young and Kendall Fuller and everyone else that they have. So I I hope Washington wins it. And I think Washington can actually win a playoff game. But we'll we'll save that for, you know, well, the playoff okay, previews. So it's looking like Tampa is going to get – the five seed and they'll clinch it with a win over Atlanta. Right. Um, Atlanta's been playing good football though. I mean, they almost beat the chiefs last week. Young Waku had like 27 made kicks in a row until he missed last week. Of course, the game winner or the game tire would have sent it to OT. The Falcons are playing good. Um, if the bucks can get the five seed, you know, I'll be very interesting. The bucks will have to go on the road to Dallas, Washington, New York, Imagine if, imagine if Andy Dalton gets his first playoff win this year, not on any of those good Bengals teams on this depleted crazy. All right, team. So I let's just jump right into it. What do you guys think the playoff picture is going to look like? Well, I think in the AFC you're going to have, I think you're going to Buffalo get the two seed, Pittsburgh three, Tennessee four. I think you're going to get. I'm going to go Baltimore five, Cleveland six, and then I think the Colts are going to get the last spot. I have Miami missing the playoffs with a loss to Buffalo and a Colts-Cleveland Ravens all win. That's exactly what I have too. So then you would have a matchup of Buffalo and Indy. Indy. You'd have Indy going to Buffalo you would have Cleveland going to Pittsburgh and you would have Baltimore going to Tennessee. You would get some great matchups there because you get the Ravens Titans rematch. You get, everyone wants to see Steelers Browns in the playoffs and Colts Indy would be interesting as well. You got a physical Colts team going to Buffalo in the cold. So I, those would be great matchups. Oh yeah. All right. What do you think for the NFC? Well, wait, Ben, do you see – do you uh, have anything different in the AFC, do you think? I do not, sadly. As much as I want to pick Miami, I think um, Buffalo is just so on fire right now. Like, they'd be, I believe, 9-0 and if not for the Hail Mary. So – and plus, they've got something to play for. So, sadly for Miami, as much as I'd want them to get in over Indy, I think they're going to be the one left out unless just Indy falls flat on their face against Jacksonville. So – I think that's going to be, and I believe if all those teams win the seed, you guys said it would be that order. So nothing really changes for me. Um, as much as I want to be different, I don't think it's two is going to have to have a game like he did against Arizona. So we'll see. But yeah, I think I think the six teams that we picked are are or not the six, the seven teams is going to stay the same. But it's just a shame that ten and six Miami won't get into the playoffs when they've probably been deserving and an NFC 8-8 eight eight team or 9-7 team will. How do you think the NFC is going to line up? Because right now, for me, 
I have Green Bay getting the bye. I have New Orleans, Seattle, and then I have Dallas as the four. And then I have Tampa Bay five, Rams six, Bears seven. Mm. So I go um I go Green Bay gets the bye. I have Green Bay beating Chicago. And then I go New Orleans, Seattle. I also think Dallas is going to win the division just because I think Philly squeaks out a win on Sunday Night Football. And then Tampa Bay at the five. Arizona wins and gets the six. And then the Rams win. Or Rams lose, but they still get the seven because Bears lose. So, Donovan, you have you have the Rams missing it all together because the Bears No, win. I have the Cardinals missing it. I have the Rams beating the Cardinals and the Packers beating the Bears. Uh Okay, I misheard you. Yeah, you're right. No, I must. I misheard you. Okay. Yes, I have. I have the Bears missing it. That's my team on the outside because I think. Yeah, the Bears I, I, I also got the Bears missing it. So I have Arizona as my seven seed, which would so in the scenario you're either going to have Arizona or Chicago going to New Orleans to play there. Well, if if Arizona wins, don't they jump LA to go to the six seed? Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I have I have Arizona winning in a close one, and then I have Chicago losing. So that would make the Rams a seven seed. But I know you guys might have it, that in a different order. I have the Rams winning, which puts them as the six seed. Okay. So I believe the Rams with a win and a Tampa loss can get the five seed because they have the tiebreaker over Tampa, the head yeah. down. And but it would take a Tampa loss to Atlanta at home, which. Is possible, but not too likely with the way Tampa's been playing. Right. So looking at a Tampa going to either Washington or Dallas, probably. Um, God, that Washington Eagles game is so weird for me because Washington has not looked very good since their uh, win against uh, San Francisco and Pittsburgh. So that's really tough for me. I don't even know who to pick in that one. I'm going to go with Washington because Philly, their defense did not play well against Dallas last weekend at all. So I'm going to go Washington. Then you got Washington, Tampa Bay, which I think would be more interesting than Dallas, Tampa Bay, um, with the way Washington's defense can play. And then you're probably – then you're going to have Seattle hosting either – Rams, Bears, or Cardinals. So there is upset potential if you have a potential divisional matchup there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's our playoff picture. Now let's get over to the big college football slate. Now, Colin, I know you're kind of like our uh, Bulls college football, college basketball expert. I'm going to let you – I'm going to let you drive on this one. Well, okay. So some of the notable notable bowl games you've already seen. Um, an early one, we had BYU and UCF. Um, BYU is definitely a heavy favorite in this one. Zach Wilson played out of his mind. Um, and he's definitely uh, skyrocketing on draft boards. He'd be a great guy for one of those early teams that misses out on uh, Trevor Lawrence maybe the Jets. Um, 
you had the Liberty Coastal game, which I don't know if you guys saw the ending, but Liberty, I saw that Liberty had it won. They still won the game, but they had it won in regulation. Um, then they fumble at the goal line, and Coastal recovered, sent it to OT. Uh, Liberty still got the win. That's a kind of a matchup I've been wanting all year. It's because those two non-power five teams, not even power six if you're counting the AAC, um, two teams that have had a lot of success this year got the face off. So good for them. You had the Oklahoma State Miami game, which the Cheez It Bowl. Not really, no one paid attention to this one, but the Miami quarterback Derek King did tear his ACL. He also announced earlier that he is returning for another season despite being a senior with that free eligibility. So that's something yeah. to keep an eye on. Miami's getting their quarterback back, but he has to recover from that injury. Um, and then last night you had Florida, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, which a lot of people thought Florida was going to run away with this one before the game. Um, you had Florida players coming out and saying, like, it's a good matchup, but Oklahoma's not sec caliber you know um florida i'll give okay i'll i'll say this about florida they had eight starters out they did not have their top four um receiving options this year including tight end kyle pitts and you know you saw a lot of underclassmen on the field a lot of inexperienced guys and oklahoma's been hot you got to give oklahoma credit the SEC might not be as good as, you know, they've been saying it is all year. You know, everyone's saying, oh, the SEC is so superior. You got Florida, you got AM. Maybe it's not just not as good as we think. Who does AM play? They play the Orange Bowl. Yeah. On Saturday. Hope hopefully I will be attending, but it's gonna take some major negotiating with the parents. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah. But um it's a shame for Kyle Trask because he's had a great season. And then to kind of go out on this one with the three picks and no touchdowns, um, like Colin said, not really the fairest chance for him just without his pass catchers. It was tough for him. And I don't, I don't think a lot of quarterbacks would have succeeded in his situation. That being said, I don't think there's really a huge excuse for how poorly Florida's defense has played. I mean, we saw them get gashed by Alabama a couple weeks ago, but that's Alabama. But um, they just could not stop, especially the run. I was watching a lot in the second half. It was just big run after big run for Oklahoma on that Florida defense. So nowhere near the level of um, the level of production out of out of Florida Gators team that they had had for most of the season and what they were expecting going into this game. Now, I want to ask this question before I get into like some of my key takeaways from the game. Um, do you guys think uh, this poor performance, despite missing a lot of his targets, do you guys think that this game hurts Kyle Trask's draft stock? How much do you think he could still potentially go at the end of the first round, or do you think? I think it. I think it hurts his stock a little. Just because before this game, I had Trask actually above Wilson and Lance. Um, I think maybe not just because of this game, but he kind of started to slow down towards the end of the year. And I think that kind of shoots Wilson and Trey Lance ahead of him. So I think this could potentially have a fall. I think we're going to talk more about the whole quarterback situation 
closer to the draft, but it's just one of those things where right now there isn't a lot of teams I see that desperately need a quarterback and that are going to go out like, for instance, the Buccaneers, they could use a quarterback for the future because who knows how long Brady's going to play. But I don't think they're going to spend his first-round pick on a guy. And you could do that same thing with the Colts, same thing with the Steelers, all of that, like a bunch of the older guys. I don't think they're necessarily going to draft a quarterback with their first overall pick. So I know I've told you guys this for a while, but I do think you're going to see one of these top quarterbacks fall in the draft. Maybe to the second, maybe to the third round. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think someone's going to fall. I just don't know who yet. I don't think Trask's stock is, like, hurt monumentally. I think it helps that he played really well against an Alabama defense right before this. So I think that helps him, too. The thing is with Trask is I don't think he's necessarily – I like like Zach Wilson and uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, and probably Justin Fields. I like those guys, guys that you're going to come in, be your starter, QB of the future. I could see Trask being a guy um, that goes into a spot where he's going to learn, potentially be the successor to maybe an older quarterback or a mediocre one. Like, I don't think Trask is going to be one where you draft knowing he's going to be your starter in a year or right away like Trevor Lawrence. I think Trask is a guy um, – that could potentially maybe f- go in like later first, like middle rounds and then be a guy that sits and you know, like, Hey, this isn't going to be our starter right away. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe like something like Pittsburgh, stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know, yeah. um, but I don't think he's a guy like one of the top ones that you're drafting knowing he's your future QB. Well, yeah. One thing's for sure is Kyle Trask lost the Heisman last night. Yeah. I don't know if he had it or not. He probably wasn't the favorite for Heisman, but the, you can't give Kyle Trask the Heisman after his performance last night. Um, so you're really looking now between Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, two Alabama teammates. Um, but we'll get more into the Heisman at another point. Right now, with this Florida team, one my, my main takeaway from this game is opt-outs are a huge problem in college football. Um, we didn't discuss opt-outs too much, and we discussed um, a change in the college football uh, playoff format. But when you think about – and I, I didn't think about it much either. I didn't consider this to be much of a problem. When you have these SEC teams like Florida, Georgia, AM that are competing for a championship and they don't make the playoffs, it's like a letdown for them. They don't want to make the Cotton Bowl. They don't want the Sugar Bowl. So – um, you know, it's this is when you definitely have to uh, reconsider maybe an eight teams, maybe not 16, but at least an 18 playoff so that more teams have more to play for. Um, another takeaway is that Oklahoma has a very bright future. Uh, Spencer Rattler had a great turnaround this season after a slow start. And uh, I, you, this is not a name a lot of people know, but freshman wide receiver Marvin Mims for them. He had, I believe he had a touchdown catch last night. He's a problem. He was their leading receiver this year. He's a freshman. Um, him and Rattler are going to be uh, huge for the next few seasons for them. And, uh, yeah, also tomorrow we have our playoff games. We have Bama-Notre Dame, which we all think Bama is going to run away with that one, I believe, and Ohio State-Clemson, which 
Ben, ben, how do you see that game going? I want – Ohio State has to show up in a completely different fashion than what they did against Northwestern because Ohio State against Northwestern, I don't think that game should have been as close as it was. Um, and then plus Clemson is – their offense right now is really rolling. So um, I'm hoping we get – I'm hoping we get another performance out of Trey Sermon like he did against Northwestern. That would go a long way, but it's going to be really hard for me to pick Ohio State. I'm going to go Clemson as my pick, although I will be rooting heavily for Ohio State. I know yeah. Ohio State's bringing back their um, – they have these special, like, silver-ish uniforms, like, on the sides. I think the last time they wore them was when they upset Alabama in the college football playoffs a few years ago. So I know Carl Jones made a, a joke about like the Incredibles, like where is my super suit? So I, I hope I hope it's something like that where we get an upset performance, something like that. So we'll see. It's going to be tough though. This game will be miles better than Alabama Notre Dame. Like I don't oh, yeah. so uninterested in the Alabama Notre Dame game. I'll watch it, but it's it's going to be a horrible game. Yeah, I don't know if they're still calling Bama Notre Dame the Rose Bowl because it's supposed to be the Rose Bowl, but it's being played elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't expect much out of that game. Bama is a far better team than Notre Dame, and they've been playing much better. Um, but you're right. If Ohio State can get that run game going like they did in the uh, Big Ten Championship, Trey Sermon, Master Teague, if they can get the run game uh, established early, I think that will go a long way for them. They're going to have to score a lot of points, though. This Clemson offense has been on fire um, with one of the best running backs in the country in Travis Etienne. Lawrence has played outstanding since he's came back from COVID. And uh, he has some really good weapons around him, including uh, Amari Rogers, number three wide receiver. So it's it's a this is probably the most exciting matchup. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to that one. Real, real quick, I think – Alabama, I believe, is favored by 19 and a half. I think Alabama covers. Like, I just think – I think Notre Dame is going to come out flat like they do in a lot of these big games, and I think Alabama will just take the top off the defense, and I think they win by 20-plus and cover that 19 and a half, which is crazy to think about in a college football semifinal that one team is favored by almost three touchdowns. I think that that says there might be something wrong with how this is being, being um, played, but – um, I think Alabama covers. I don't know the line on the Ohio State-Clemson game, but that'll be a much better one. I was going to say, yeah, I think Ohio State does cover. It's seven and a half. Okay. Um, I think that's a pretty good line. Yep. Um, it's also set at 66 and a half for over-under. I don't uh, – I'd be tempting, tempted to take the over in that one. Um, I think Ohio State covers. It's a rematch of last year's game. And it sh if Justin Fields is on his A game – which he, I don't think he really was in the Big Ten Championship. Um, if Justin Fields does what he does last year, I think Ohio State has a real shot to win this. I have my hot take of probably the episode. I always drop hot takes. Oh. I think the Notre Dame-Bama game is going to end in a closer score than Clemson-Ohio State. Mm. I think Clemson's going to blow Ohio State out of the water. Um, this may just be talking from a notorious Ohio State hater. Um, but I think Ohio State gets their shit kicked in. And I don't necessarily think that Notre Dame Alabama will be close, but I do kind of see this as a game where Alabama's up probably four touchdowns with 10 minutes left. Notre Dame gets a score, gets a stop, gets another score. 
cuts it within to two, maybe three scores. So I see some, I see some garbage time scores for Notre Dame. But I do, I, I'm gonna personally bet Notre Dame to cover and Clemson to cover, which it sounds like you're doing the opposite. Then is that right? I am doing the opposite. Um, okay. I I see. I'm betting Ohio State to cover, but I see a possibility where this gets out of hand with a Clemson win. Like, I don't think that's far-fetched. I don't completely disagree with you where Ohio State could because they have not looked great, um, especially against Northwestern, and they played so little games. So I don't think that's um, out of the realm where Ohio State loses by a couple scores. But I just think that even if they were to lose, I think Notre Dame loses by more just because I am – it's not even that I'm a Notre Dame hater. I just don't think – I. They, this happens to them so often. I think the last time they got in, they got the doors blown off them by Clemson, I believe two years ago, whatever it yeah. was. So I'm just, I just tired of seeing Notre Dame get in um, and just to get the, just to, just to get blown out. The game that will always stick in my mind is the Manti tail year where they lost to a million by Alabama in the championship. So like just stuff like that is, is always fresh in my mind, which is why I'm just not, not, not a Notre Dame fan. Not a Notre Dame fan. Same thing with I wasn't. I was the same way with LSU until last year. LSU changed my mind last year, but LSU was in that same category up until Joe Burrow changed my mind. Yep. Yeah, and a quick shout out. Quick shout out, uh, DP. Quick shout out to the MAC. Ball State right now in the second quarter is up 27-0 on uh, ranked San Jose State. So shout yeah. out to the MAC. MAC champions, Ball State. They're uh, they're really showing out. Um, MAC. If if Ball State holds on, the back would be two and zero in bowl games. All I'm saying is, Undefeated. next year the college football player playoff better run through the MAC. Better keep an eye on the MAC. Watch out. Um. Also, Ben, where is the Orange Bowl played? Is that in, uh, Hard Rock Stadium? In Miami. Oh, it's Hard Rock. Okay, I didn't know if it was Hard Rock or Camping World. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's Hard Rock Stadium. Um. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, if you yeah. can go to that, that'd be a crazy game because North Carolina's it. offense has been outstanding. I did, I'd expect it to be a shootout, so we'll see. Um, we're only about 30 minutes from Miami, so it'll be fun, but it will take a lot of convincing. Smash definitely. the over in that game. Yep, for sure. All right. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Tub Talk Sport Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening, and we will be back soon. Expect a lot more, a lot more Zoom episodes out of us because we're all going to be going back to school and stuff soon. So sadly, for the foreseeable future, our episodes would be over Zoom. So just just know that and bear with us. But anyway, hope everyone has a good Happy New Year. Hope you had a good holiday. Happy New Year, yes. Join us for yeah. our next episode. We'll, we'll be we'll be we're we're gonna be more consistent. We'll stick. That'll be also, our solution. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. New Twitter account. What's the at at? It's you know at, I want I want to get I want to get it exact. It is new Twitter. We just started it last week. Uh, Tub Talk Sports at Tub Talk Sports. Give us a follow. Um, we'd really appreciate it. We have the link in our bio for future podcasts. And uh, yeah, everyone have a nice, safe holidays. <laughs>